so this is going to come at a sort of weird time, depending on where you're listening to this, but I gotta know. I gotta know. I gotta get the skinny. Lucas, your trip to Montreal. Tell me about it. Well, it's it's funny. This is going to come at a good time because, well, I'm going back this week, which for our listeners what? who aren't on the Patreon is like two weeks ago, I guess. But uh, I'm taking a double dose. Yeah, flare flights to Montreal right now are like 100 bucks round trip. So, uh, And when I got a free place to stay, it's a hard 100 bucks to say no to. Anyway. Whoa. T- t- so, yeah, tell me about it. That's a great That's a great setup. Mm-hmm. It's a good grift. Anyway, <laughs> I uh, uh, was in Montreal. This is way after the fact for those of you listening at home who care about wrestling, but I was indeed there to see history get made. The first time one of Montreal's native own uh, Sammy uh, Zayn challenged for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, as we have the hindsight of uh, hi- the hindsight of knowing what happened, he was not successful in his quest for the title. Yeah. Uh, but I gotta say, Will, it was still a magical moment. Um, the crowd was electric. People who have been to multiple WWE events who have written about the event said it was one of the loudest, kind of most engaged WWE crowds they've ever heard ever. Um, so I was very happy to be a part of the whole experience. And I, I gotta say, I got wrapped up in the emotions of it all myself. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Well, splendid. I'm glad that you had a great uh, Lucas Mancini Day weekend. Mm-mm. And I. That's right. It was yeah. my birthday. That was how I celebrated. <laughs> good, good point. Are you seeing anything in particular when you go back to Montreal? I'm going to go see. Uh, I'm going to a concert. I'm seeing the band always. But mostly it's it's to see all my friends, Will. All my friends are starting to move away from here and move out. I, 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 I want to say out west, but to the rest of Canada, Montreal's out east. Yeah. Um, they're moving down to Montreal, for lack of a better term. And so it's to, it's to see those folks too. Good stuff. Welcome to Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast. Uh, my name's Will Young. I've been here in Halifax the whole time, holding it down <laughs> while Lucas Mancini has been uh, comparatively globetrotting and will continue continue to jet set uh, in the very near future. Um, yeah, so we're going to be talking about an, another Arthur episode in season 16 here. Uh, I want to quickly drop by the mailbag, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. We got another email from listener Carter Loggy, and thank you very much, Carter, for your email. Uh, just a quick thing from the email I want to note here. This is Carter speaking. Uh, I'm now caught up with the Elwood City Limits podcast. Those episodes were so good for you guys to talk about. Now, I like the episodes of when you guys talk about autism spectrum disorder and when Carl met George because you don't know this, Will and Lucas. I have autism, so my brain works differently than my family and friends, and I got tested for that when I was two. Well, I'm glad that we were able to Uh, Talk about it in a way that you enjoyed, Carter, and good luck with your book. He's going to be self-publishing a book in two years. So, Carter, all the best with that. Remember, if you would like us to read your email on the air, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com, or you can send us something on the socials as well. Um, Yeah, and so while we're in the preamble here, of course, I want to say thank you to our patrons at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. And patrons, don't forget, you can listen to the newest episode, the return episode of For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast, where we talk about Xavier Riddle and the Secret Museum. And now that theme song is back in my head because it's basically just those words. We talk a bit about the show and uh, dive into it for the first time in our newest episode. Patrons, you have access 
to the whole thing. If you're on the free feed, you have access to the preview, so you can check that out and join us at Patreon if you so desire. Much like many other people have, including John Griswold, Riley Stevens, William Moore, Lily W. and Yoshi, Valeria and Hannah Kitten, Bob Yee, JHC, Casey Cosmos, Richard Mortimer, Tyler Bozetsky, Wolf Lover Zodiac, and Nehemiah Unimuk. Sorry, Nehemiah, I hope you, I pronounced your last name right there. Elwood City Limits at gmail.com, and we will be getting into a little bit of what you can expect in March uh, later on in this episode. So, Lucas, uh, we watched an Arthur episode today. It starts off with Get Smart, and once again, we find ourselves in very familiar territory. I think, let me see, if I can do a little bit of freestyle thinking here, it's got to be almost a handful of references across Arthur to professional wrestling at this point. Yeah, no, I mean, because it's like something that Binky is a fan of, um, it, it comes up, it feels like, again and again and again. And, you know, this is correlation versus causation. Perhaps, Will, one of the reasons we had such an affinity for Arthur when we were kids uh, is because it kept mentioning wrestling and we also liked wrestling. And that's why yes. we shouldn't be surprised that it comes up again and again. Um, but, yes, I, I, I feel like now that we're in the Flash era, stuff like this, I don't take it for granted. I'm like, okay. The wrestling is still around in the Flash era, so this was this was good to see. Because, of course, Arthur being an, a show that started in the 90s, they, I mean, you know, in 98 to 2001, you can almost expect a wrestling reference in media because that was, that's when the Attitude Era was happening. It's wrestling at its cultural peak, as many people have said. And so, yeah, like, and like you said, it's good to, that the wrestling references haven't completely gone away. Although, in this one, they kind of mix it with boxing. So this is the cold open to the episode Get Smart, where Mr. Ratburn is going into what I presume to be a wrestling-style teaching match for the Worldwide Teaching Championships. Um, it's a little bit boxing as well. It's like old school boxing because, you know, you have Arthur dressed up in the tuxedo. He's doing the Michael Buffer thing. And Francine and Buster are on commentary. They are also dressed quite respectably. So it gives off a little bit of that air of boxing. Uh, Mr. Ratburn has the nicknames the Sultan of Schoolwork and the Homework Hammer. It's a reference to the Hebrew Hammer, which I appreciate. Uh, they also make mention that Mr. Ratburn has uh, defeated opponents like Lenny Long Division Spitz. But in this cold open, he's going to be facing a computer, which uh, is built from Cupertino, California, the home of Apple. And it's it's just them coming together in this uh, uh, boxing ring, wrestling ring, and that's setting up the conflict for this episode because... The whole thing has to do with Mr. Ratburn's class. They've been selected to test out a new smart board called the Hugo 3.0, developed by the Pseudo Meta Corporation. They'll be testing it out for two weeks. And as we've established on the show, Lucas, Mr. Ratburn, something of a, a Luddite, as as you've yeah. called him several times, he's technically illiterate. Yeah. Technologically and, and what's illiterate. Interesting, what's interesting about this is that this is not smart boards as they appear IRL which by the way I'm to understand that um I don't remember where I read this so I should be careful about the kind of accusations I throw around right but uh I heard that like the the smart board wave of the early 2010s was kind of a cash grab 
at the expense of our public education institutions. Oh. And that, like, hmm. a lot of these classrooms were uh, basically got all these grants or, or purchased these smart boards for a ton of money. But in reality, their utility was maybe limited at the time. I don't know if it's still the case. It's been a long time since I've been in a public high school for... Well, actually, that's not true. I go for my job. But it's been a long time since I've been a student and had to interact with a smart board. So maybe they've gotten better. Or maybe because teachers use YouTube so gosh darn much these days, they've they've gained new ut- newfound utility. Um that being said, this smart board is not like those at all. You know, traditionally a smart board is simply like a, it's like a giant tablet almost. Yeah. Um, a, a chalkboard sized tablet. Yeah. This is a literal smart board where it's some sort of Watson style supercomputer uh, that can speak and talk to Mr. Rapper. And again, Arthur being prescient, I feel like AI is the talk of the town these days. Uh, and we have here an episode about. Uh, will Mr. Rapper's job be eliminated by AI, the advent of these new technologies? That's interesting that you bring that up, Lucas. I, I'm hoping that, like, I know for a fact that we have at least one teacher listening to us and probably some younger listeners, too. I would be interested to hear about if any of our listeners have had experiences with smart boards, just because that is something completely like even by the time I was like leaving high school, we were just starting to get into like whiteboards, like with markers. So this is all a little bit over my head in terms of the actual real world implementation. So yes, Hugo is like you said, a little bit closer to uh, an AI program. Uh, He even has like a face. The face kind of looks like you ever get that error in Chrome when you like run out of memory and it's like that little error square error face. I don't know. Maybe it's like I I have that problem sometimes, but it's like it's a it's an error screen in Chrome, I want to say. It's not it's not the the dinosaur that you can move around. No, the dinosaur I think is like when you're not on the Wi-Fi. Um okay. or like when you're not connected to the internet. I didn't know you could move that dinosaur around. Yeah, you could play a little game with it when oh. the Wi-Fi's broken. Oh, that's fun. I'm usually we're really getting into we're really getting into the <laughs> la, epic Reddit stuff this week. Will yeah, hey, some gold <laughs> for you. You sir have won the internet. <laughs> I usually I I would never have picked up that you could play with the dinosaur because I'm usually blinded with rage when that happens. Um, mm. Mr. Haney is the one who introduces this. We Mr. Haney's being used very sparingly these days, and his voice actor. It sounds noticeably older, and unfortunately, Mr. Haney's voice actor has since passed away. Um, I don't remember exactly what year or when his last appearance on Arthur is, but he does sound, like, audibly older. I think I've made this comparison before, but it's like, if you listen to Marge Simpson on The Simpsons now, it's just like, yeah, that voice actor is older and sounds older. So it's just like, man, this show has really, really come a long way. There's a, there's a gag here, so... I thought we were going to make a bit more hay with like Mr. Ratburn. Like one of his character traits is that he doesn't know a lot about technology, but we do a thing here where Mr. Ratburn uh, says he's going to study the instruction manual to Hugo and brain offers to help. And the first thing he does to help is that Mr. Ratburn has the instruction manual upside down. So he turns it right side up and Mr. Ratburn accepts his help. Like he's, he's technologically illiterate. He's not stupid. Like, Mr. Rapper knows how a book opens, okay? (laughs) 
It's true. He can speak English and read it too. Uh, importantly, <laughs> in fact, it's it. You might, one might say it's integral to his career. Uh, I didn't even catch on that. You're 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 totally right, uh, Will. That doesn't make any sense. So Hugo 3.0 is very accurate, and Mr. Rapburn gets the hang of it after a little bit of a cram session with Brain on the instruction manual. But he's still a little bit um, skeptical of it, especially because in class the next day it actually contradicts Mr. Ratburn. We get a uh, we get a little bit of an Elwood City history lesson here. So we've gone into this before in the. Um, not the hundredth episode, but the um, the, the Elwood City turns one hundred episode, and that goes into a little bit more about like the actual history of Elwood City. So it's here. It's like they used to, it used to be a swamp, and the growth of the logging industry is what spurred its growth into a town. And we get another reference to Jacob Katz and Ellen Bogan, who founded Elwood, founded Elwood, Elwood City, Elwood City. But I was hoping you were going to sing the song. Okay, <laughs> perfect. So Mr. Ratburn is contradicted by Hugo, who says that. Actually, Jacob Katz and Ellen Bogan did not own the first sawmill in Elwood City, which spurred its growth. That was Francis Weedy is credited as owning the first sawmill. So this sends, like, this kind of shatters everybody's world, especially the kids where they're like, Mr. Ratburn is capable of being wrong? And this is where this is actually, like, secretly a brain episode, even though it is kind of a ensemble one, because he goes on this journey of research to see if that claim by Hugo is correct at all. In fact, Hugo gets a little saucy at times where Mr. Ratburn kind of pushes back on like, no, I'm, I'm fairly certain that Jacob Katz and Ellen Bogan is the founder. And, uh, you know, Hugo says that that is incorrect. Perhaps you don't know what the word incorrect means. I'm like, damn, Mr. Ratburn's <laughs> getting roasted by his, by his blackboard. This sucks. Yeah, so Hugo's talking about how he's never wrong. He's a hundred percent. He's programmed to be a hundred percent correct all of the time. Hundred percent accurate yeah. is his exact words. And Brain says nothing is a hundred percent accurate. Mm. Which will you and I? I'm confident in saying this. <laughs> uh, are far from being scientists. Yes. Nor are we philosophers. No. Nope. Um, and I feel like you would have to be one or the other to uh, intelligently uh, answer this question. But I could swear that there are some things that are 100% accurate. Like, isn't there measurements mm. and stuff that we, we, we know are accurate in in, to, in totality? Uh, I, maybe I'm punching above my weight here, but it just seemed like a weird comment from Brain that nothing is 100% accurate. To be honest with you, again, and could use some input from the listeners here, I was actually apt to believe Brain. Like, I don't know if there is anything... Like, be it an AI or, like, a robot, robotic system or, like, a program or, you know, even a person that is 100% accurate all the time. I don't know if we've gotten well, no, to whoa, that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, nothing's accurate all the time, but Braid's statement is nothing is 100% accurate, which I, I, I feel like there's some things that are, like, you could take a measurement. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking way mm. too much about this. Uh, well, it would have to be 100% accurate lost. all the time because if, like— how would it be a hundred percent accurate, but not all of the, all of the time? Well, okay. Well, we're getting we're getting really <laughs> philosophical here. But I'm saying like, okay, like let's say if I have a measuring tape and I measure two centimeters, that two centimeters is always two centimeters. That's a hundred percent accurate. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like in terms of just like tool, like tools. So like. Well, yeah, because he said nothing. He's just not talking about computers mm. or people. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I thought it was a for, for brain of all people. I thought it was a word phrase, but maybe it's because I'm stupid 
and Braid is smart, and he's actually the right one. I don't know, Lucas. Speaking of winning the internet, I think you may have gotten the better of Brain in this uh, oh, Reddit debate here. I beat here. him with my Reddit facts and logic. More <laughs> Reddit gold for me. This, wow. Who knew we were going to be so Reddit-pilled this week? R slash Brain is wrong. So... Hugo continues and Brain actually has a dream that night and this he dreams about you know he's still stuck on like Hugo being 100% accurate and he thinks about the people who are programming him so it's like this um you know stereotypical lab setup where these two guys are programming Hugo and they're getting information from him and they're saying like oh he's 98% accurate eh 98% is basically 100 just round it up and I, so I really liked that what I liked even better is they reference, this is one of a couple of references to 2001 A Space Odyssey in this dream, where um, one of the programmers for Hugo is named Dave, and so Hugo literally says, like, I'm sorry, Dave, that's incorrect, or something like that. And then Dave and this other guy that he's working with move into a room where Hugo can't hear them, and it's a reference to that scene where they in in 2001 a space odyssey it's not hugo it's hal but they go into a different room so that hal can't hear them but then hal reads their lips i thought this was a this is a great poll like there's there's a lot of really obvious references you can make to 2001 and this is a children's show so how would kids know what that is so i really like that they referenced a scene that if you haven't seen 2001 a couple times you might not remember that it's in the in the movie uh yeah i mean i my, I, I think it's just good to introduce children to a movie and, and a book as good as 2001 A Space Odyssey. They're both classics in their own respective mediums. I would say that the movie is one of the highest achievements of the form ever. Um, and I remember my first exposure to stuff like this was, you know, being referenced in cartoons and in parodies when I was younger. So I'm happy for it to continue on with a new generation. And you're right that it's an inspired moment to pull from uh you know, where the the two... You might not even... I wonder if kids would even understand what's going on here, removed from the context of what it's parodying. Right. Yeah. The, the computer is reading the guy's lips, um, which is an important moment in 2001, because that's when you start to realize that the computer might be evil. Uh, but in, in this, it's just... Yeah, they, they're able to capture the moment perfectly. You can see the computer in the background as these two guys are, like, chuckling away. And we get the reaction from the computers while I'm just watching it along. <laughs> um, but this is all happening, of course, in Brain's imagination. This is an imagination sequence. It's really, it's really good. I like. I I had a big laugh at this. So Ratburn is trying and failing to stump Hugo. He brings like a bunch of questions in increasing in difficulty. It, it props to the writer, the writers for this episode, probably having to think of all of these different obscure facts, like which country's flag has a um, like a, a right-sided, like a perfect triangle in it or something. And there's one later on where, like, R- Ratburn pulls from his, like, puppet knowledge, his knowledge of puppetry, and it's like, man, like, granted, in you know, by the time this was made, we have the internet, but that is, that must have required, like, some real thinking to, like, figure out how you get that into the script. So Ratburn becomes obsessed with beating Hugo. He almost gets him. Uh, with that puppetry question, but he does come through. Hugo does. Uh, Ratburn asks it if it knows the final word in last year's national spelling bee, which is Sumatracus, I believe is how you pronounce it, and that's having wavy hair. That actually was the final word in the 2011 national spelling bee, 
And this episode came out in 2012. So that was actually fairly timely of it. And then eventually, after we see several montages of Brain at the library, combing through Elwood City history books, Mrs. T- Turner very, very pleased that he is doing research at the library. He discovers that Jacob Katzenellen Bogan was the owner of the first sawmill. The architect Francis Wheaton was mistakenly attributed in the issue of the paper in which Jacob Katzenellen Bogan was featured. And this is also backed up independently by his great nephew, Alfred Katzenellen Bogan, that Brain tracks down and brings to the class. And this causes Hugo to completely break. We get another 2001 reference where he briefly sings Daisy Bell as he like, you can you can see like his little uh, animated ego kind of shatter and like do the 404 thing and it basically breaks the whole thing. Which by the way, Brain was skipping school to do this. Was he doing this during school? Yeah, no, well, yeah. Because he, he, he jumps in mid-class. <laughs> he has this moment of like stop the wedding uh, in the middle of class. That's totally true. I didn't even really realize that. Man, how did he get away with that? But you know what? I, I think... Rapper's going to let this slide because he let him beat Hugo. I think that's probably what he was counting on. Sorry, you can assume. And the episode ends with them learning more about Elwood City from a direct source, which is Alfred Katznellen Bogan, who is uh, uh, Bruce Dinsmore doing like an older version of Dad Reed. In fact, the character kind of looks like old Dad Reed a little bit. And now, a word from us kids. Not gonna not gonna dwell on this one too much, but this is interesting in that it's Jaden and her third grade class using an interactive whiteboard, which is different than obviously much different than like Hugo, but it kind of looked like, um, you know, like they put up a, a a screen, and so I was actually I was pretty impressed with this one. They they're creating a trivia game to help learn more about the pioneers, and there is part of the trivia game that has motion tracking. So this is. Like, a bit more sophisticated than I figured it was going to be. Yeah, it's funny that we just watched a whole episode about an evil smart board, and then the Award From Us Kids segment is like, smart boards are great. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and this and this one, I almost thought it was like a homebrew at one point, because I, I think I must have been looking at it wrong. It looks like they just pulled down like the projector screen, and they're projecting it onto the wall. Like, or like, did I get that wrong? Like, maybe I was looking. Yeah, at it wrong. this is this is a smart board. Okay, this is like right. this. Is, so when I was talking earlier about how smart boards might have been more trouble than they were worth back in the day, um, this is like an example of what I was talking about. Like, this is a smart board as I know them. We had them like in my final year of high school. Oh, really? Okay, interesting. Yeah. I... And now kids use them to play Kahoot, which is kind of like what they're doing here with this this pseudo trivia game that they put together. Um, it's very similar to what I'm to understand uh, kids do in school these days when they get on a Kahoot and then they, they make your name Kahoot's it's like Jackbox but educational oh gotcha and kids will make their names things that make the teacher say funny funny words ah <laughs> uh, yes I can, I can so for instance hmm. um, you could <laughs> you could bleep this if you want Will but let's say uh, uh, now who in the class is named Jack where where is Jack in the class? Oh, I'm gonna have fun bleeping this, or like, uh, yeah, or like F A H. Um, yeah, yeah, or yeah, Amanda hug and kiss the classics. Uh, B O problem and all this kind of stuff. Hi everybody, it's Lucas. 
your favorite co-host from Elwood City Limits. Um, I want to remind you folks that if you like listening to the podcast, first and foremost, the best way to spread the love is to tell a friend who is interested in Arthur or podcasts or animation or hearing about Nova Scotia for some reason. But there's some other things you could do as well. For instance, you can follow us on social media. Twitter is at ECL Podcast. The Instagram is at Elwood City Limits. My pet project, the Twitch channel, which we do live streams on sometimes, twitch.tv slash Elwood City Limits Pod. And we also have a Facebook and Tumblr as well. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and youtube.com slash Elwood City Limits. That's where Will has been diligently uploading all of the episodes if they're not on your podcast listening service of choice. If they aren't on one of those services, let us know. You can reach out to us on social media or via email at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Finally, the Patreon is where you can find all of our paywall content, patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits. This gives you access to the Discord, where we have a bustling community, as well as some exclusive videos, audio bonuses, such as commentary for the various Arthur movies and more, as well as some of our additional podcasts for the kids, is where me and Will uh, cover all the PBS shows that aren't Arthur, as well as ECL Origins, where we really talk about any show from our childhood that we want. Uh, And most importantly, you get early access to every episode of ECL. You get to flex on your friends that you're getting it a week early. You can join for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. And now, back to the show. All right, the second part of our Arthur episode has to do with baby steps. Uh, this is a DW episode, we you know right away, because Arthur says in the cold open, DW is famously impatient, which she's a four, so yeah, probably. But we get a couple of examples, like she it's hard for her to wait for cookies to be done baking. Uh, she's very impatient on car rides. She's impatient during holidays. Now, I want to be fair to DW here, as we often are. But, like, waiting for presents on Christmas sucks, and I also had to do the thing. This is, this is, this is how different – so this just speaks to different family experiences because when I started dating uh, Jenna, my wife, we were talking about, like, Christmas traditions. And I was like, well, when I was a kid and usually my family, you know, we have to wait for everybody to get up. We have to wait for, like, everybody to get their coffee and use the bathroom. And then sometimes we have to wait for people to come from, like, different houses. And Jenna was like, no, my family, if you get up, you can open your presents. Like, it's fine. So I was just, and I was like so envious because that was like the worst thing on Christmas to have to like oh, no, just no, no. sit and seethe as everybody's taking too long to get their dang I, coffee. My family tradition was the former, not the latter. Uh, and Will, you have to understand that the anticipation is actually secretly the best part of Christmas, okay? Because you open up the present, you get the damn thing. Mm. All right, you play with it for 15 minutes, and now you just can't wait till the next Christmas, okay? The best part of Christmas 
is staring at that stack of presents, picking them up, shaking them around, trying to, like, muster up x-ray vision to see what lies within, um, because the present in your imagination, even if you get exactly what you want, uh, the anticipation in your brain is better than any present could actually be. So you're, you're getting it all wrong. This is the, the best part of Christmas, uh, is, is w- waiting for everybody to get their coffee and take their poop. Yeah, all right, Dad. Like, what, whatever. <laughs> you, can, you can't convince me otherwise. I've seen the way the other half lives, and I like it, and I want it. It's, uh, so I, I feel DW here. We also have Arthur using a giant hourglass to make his point, but DW is impatient for the episode to begin. So we begin... Um, I'll say I relate yeah. to DW in that I've stood in front of the cookies and asked, are they done yet? Are they done yet? Are they done yet? Are they done yet? So oh, but, that's where me and DW see eye to eye. Oh, but Lucas, presents all day. Lucas, the best part of baking cookies is just looking at them, no, sizing no, no. them when up. When you eat the cookie, when you eat the cookie, the sugar <laughs> gives you a dopamine hit, and it's better than looking at the cookies, okay? Oh, but uh, looking at the- chemical reaction occurring, all right? Whereas no toy, unfortunately- will ever uh, uh, live up to the magic of Christmas. There's a chemical reaction occurring presents. when I play with the toy. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Man, you got more fun out of toys than me. I got bored of toys in like five minutes. Yeah. And then I was like, you know what? This is what I want for next Christmas. <laughs> for me, the be- the chemical reaction happens when you you shake the present around. You're like, what's in there? And then, and then, and then, your, and then your mom my tells you to stop because you might break it. Oh, see, my bot... I break it. That's 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 how it goes, I guess, for me. Maybe that's that that's your issue, Will. Is you weren't allowed to roughhouse your presents enough? No, decidedly not, because they would have paid quite a bit for it. So, mm-hmm. <sighs> agree to disagree, I suppose. We start off with Binky's. Well, so Binky and Arthur are watching TV. We're gonna get into the details of all this, and it is. Ugh. I thought we were. I thought we were free of it. Honestly, like I. So I look up the descriptions of the episode before I before we watch them, and I was like, "DW something something baby Kate," and I'm like, "Oh okay, well maybe maybe it's just like Kate as like maybe Kate's back to being a baby." No, dog and baby episodes are alive and well in the Flash era. When I thought we had maybe had a chance to leave them behind, so I was displeased. When uh, we see Maylin, Kate, and Pal having an adult conversation, so the whole thing here is that Maylin, very smart for her age, and like really, like seriously, she can, she knows how to say hello when she's around Kate's age. She can even play the piano, like, like the opening to a classical piece. So DW is afraid that Kate uh, is should be smarter and should like she should be as smart as Maylin, and maybe they're doing something wrong. On the other side of this, Kate and Pal think that something is wrong with DW because DW keeps trying to send all these messages to Kate to get her to act intelligently, and they think it's like she's in some sort of fit. So they're trying to snap her out of it throughout this episode. Okay, so first thing, um, the show that Arthur and Binky are watching on TV. Did you rec- did you recognize this? Of course, this is um, oh goodness, I forget his name. Uh, it's it's some. It's a parody of Arthur within Arthur, and it's the show from the episode where they would write into the contest to pitch their episode ideas. Yes. So the original name for the show was Andy, but they've changed it to Alfred. And hmm. in the Flash era, it's much more of a direct parody of Arthur because they're literally wearing the same things. 
that Arthur and DW wear. Also, according to the Arthur Wiki, the DW stand-in in the show is called CJ. Um, but yeah, it was originally called Andy, and he had like on a different he had like a like a sweater on. So it was like it was just different enough. Uh but it still kind of exists whether you call it Andy or Alfred. Um in fact, at one point DW is trying to get the TV for herself. And Arthur says they have to watch Alfred because Dark Bunny was a rerun. And DW says, you're too old to be watching Alfred, which is really a really good line uh, in many, many ways. Really appreciated that. The show's calling us out, Will. Are we just going to let that stand? (laughs) I mean, hey, uh, we're still alive and the show isn't. So uh, I think we win in that in that regard. Um also, really, really quick, I, you know, we've said our piece about the the Flash style. Maylin looks weird in this style, and she almost looks like her character model looks, like, overly detailed. You know what I mean? Like, if, if you look at her, she's almost got, like, mm. too many crags. She looks like an old baby. I'm glad you picked... I don't know if overly detailed is what I would describe it as, yeah, but maybe I'm not. glad you pointed this out because she looks weird, like... We and I've seen you talking about this on Twitter, Will. With these Flash episodes, you pause them at the wrong time, and you could really catch the characters off model yes. in a way that I feel like you didn't used to be able to do. Like before, when they were off model, it was kind of charming. Like, wow, they really drew a weird picture of Arthur here. Yeah. But here, when they're off model, it just looks like they got the scale of the different body parts incorrect. Um, so, like, if you look at, uh, uh, of all the characters in the Flash era, Maylin seems to have suffered the most. Um, I, I find she looks almost completely different, like, different head shape. Yeah. Um, if, yeah, like, I'm looking at the old pictures of Maylin, and, and I can't quite put my finger on why the Flash one looks so weird. In my, but, in my uh, head, she almost looks like Handsome Dexter from that episode of Dexter's Lab. Like, she's just got a few too many I don't, I don't crags. Know. I, I don't know. Hmm. I'm not sure. But, yeah, it's just we both noticed the messed up vibe. <laughs> so, yeah, DW is very concerned that, you know, Kate's not going to be turn out to be as smart as she thinks that she should be. There's this great exchange between her and Arthur because Arthur's saying, like, don't worry, she'll pick up this stuff, like, when she's ready. And DW's like, but what if she turns out to be like you? And Arthur says, I turned out pretty well. DW says, pretty well isn't good enough. It's only good enough for people like you. <laughs> so the the whole thing about this episode is that DW is trying to make Kate smart. Kate is trying to snap DW out of the weird things that she's doing. Because when we see DW from Kate's perspective, she's doing the thing, and we've done this before, where, like, the baby and the dog only see them as, like, doing, like, nonsense words, and they don't understand her. They keep us- They just keep using the same line for DW, where she goes, blaga, 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 blue, blue. And, like, you hear that, like, three times in the episode. Whereas before, it was it it was much, I don't it was just different in the sense of, like, they would just be like, blah, 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 dog pound. Like, there would be certain words that they did understand. But it was more just, like, substituting blah, blahs with the cadence of their speech. Um, so DW enlists the help of Brain to help make Kate smart, and they do a couple of, um, early childhood development tests, which Brain is really interested in. There's a funny, there is a funny thing here, so, in the past we've talked about, you know, our kind of more negative feelings towards the Kate and Pal episodes, and I think that they're definitely at their worst when they are trying to be, like, rugrats, as as we've said before. 
But in this case, there is a little bit of humor to be mined out of this because um, one of the tests that they do is for object permanence. So Brain puts a ball behind his back, and if Kate can remember that it's behind his back, then she's a little bit more intelligent than other babies her age. And when we go to Kate and Pal's perspective, um, you know, uh, Brain has the ball behind his back, and they're just like... They're not so much like, where did the ball go? Of just like, uh, like how do we... I don't remember what I don't remember what the setup is, but Kate has a great line where she's like, "How can anyone say for sure where a thing is?" Like she's very philosophical. Kate's getting into our uh, questions earlier about can anything ever be a hundred percent accurate? Yes, maybe. She, yeah, maybe that's the type of conversations she has. But you're but you're right. The same sort of like, just like yes, but who like who's to say what is right and what is wrong? These are the types of questions. So it's not that Kate isn't intelligent. It's obviously that just. She and DW can't understand each other, and Kate thinks about things in kind of a, like, a laid-back sort of, like, it's a very chill way. We get into this a little bit later, and at the same time, Kate is trying to, is, Kate thinks that DW was brainwashed by whatever Mei Lin played on the piano, so she keeps trying to play different sounds, and so, like, bangs different toys around, which DW thinks is a sign of her lack of intelligence. They go to visit Maylin and Binky again. Uh, by the way, Binky, very cute with Maylin. He's he's very, very good with her as her, as her big brother. And Binky uh, does like a lion roar because they're playing with an animal puzzle game. And, uh, you know, Maylin does the little roar. So DW does the roar for Kate to do it. But she, again, they just kind of don't understand each other. Um, this is where Kate picks up from Maylin that if you copy what other people are doing, it usually pacifies them. Because, again, they're kind of rolling with the fact that, like, there is just a an inherent lack of understanding between older people and babies. And this is what babies do to make us feel better. You and I, Lucas. Yeah. Don't, don't babies do the darndest things? Um... I will say before this, like we have a little scene with DW and Nadine when DW is in her room and she's like pacing around trying to figure out what she can do to activate Kate's intelligence because DW is convinced that she herself was incredibly intelligent at age one, and but she also doesn't remember because she has to be reminded by Nadine that she invented her. When she was three, DW invented Nadine when she was three. So before then, she didn't exist, which I don't know, just like the interesting little piece of Arthur, Arthur lore there, as much as I don't like to use that word sometimes. Um, in the scene with Mei Lin, again, this kind of gives you an idea of what kind of um, level the babies are on, where like it's one of those puzzles where you have to match the top half of an animal with the bottom half. And so Kate puts the bottom half of a pig on the top half of a cat. And DW takes that as like, oh, she thinks that those go together. But Kate's just like, no, that's just funny. Like, I just think that's hilarious. Mm. It is mad funny, by the way. It, it, you're right. It, it, it is. That, that is some. Uh, that's jokes, Will. That's jokes. That's some funny stuff right there. Well, she's she's like operating on this like. Um, Eric Andre level anti-comedy where it's just like mm, those don't mm. go together that's hilarious yeah what if it was purple all that yeah <laughs> that, that kind of stuff exactly also apparently Maylin is so smart she knows how to do the hello trick on the calculator where you type in the numbers and upside down it says hello I didn't figure that out until like 
uh, junior high? I don't know. Like, depressingly late. He never made the calculator say boobies in grade six or O-Obo shoes? O-Obo shoes, no. Uh, and boobies, I don't know. Somebody, I might have gotten in trouble for that, so I probably shouldn't have. Prob- or I probably, that's probably what stopped me is thinking that a teacher mm, would swipe that mm. up and I would be uh, <laughs> branded forever as the boobies kid. Mm, true. That's a, your scarlet letter to bear will, I guess. <laughs> just boob, just boobies in uh, in number font on my on my shoulder. We do get this imagination here again. DW is just convinced that like she's doing everything she can to try and activate Kate's intelligence, but it's just not working. So we have this imagination where between the two of them actually, um, DW imagines that Kate will grow up to be. Just kind of a larger baby. So she, we, we, we flash forward. If Kate's at seventeen here, then DW would be like twenty-one. She's got this like pink power suit on. It's like what a little kid thinks an adult looks like, and she's pushing Kate in the stroller. She is the size of a teenager, but she's still the normal Kate character model. And the only difference is that like she doesn't talk, but she has this weirdly adult laugh. Like I think it's just her voice actor just like doing an aged up baby laugh. And it's, it was weird. Like it kind of, it's, it was re- it was real strange. Yeah. This, th- we get a flash of this in the title card of this imagination sequence. And I was like, what the hell is this? This That's giant right, Kate. Yeah. Like, I, I was like, what is going on? And I keep forgetting that these title sequences, um, ever since the Flash era, actually show clips from the episode, and they aren't just like a bespoke thing. Yeah. Um, so when this popped up, I was like, okay, finally we have some context for this. But this is really crazy, especially because DW describes Kate as 17, uh, and it seems that she hasn't grown. She's just become a very large baby. Yeah. I wrote down that sh- she's got some sort of – uh, developmental issue, like maybe she's like Hasbula, where like Hasbula is like <laughs> yeah. twenty one, but he's a baby. Like he's yes. he doesn't have the mental capacities of a baby. He's like a a twenty one year old guy, but he looks like a little baby and sounds one like one too. Um, but this whole <laughs> sequence is is just odd. Yeah, and then so we continue here because. Um, Kate is more worried about DW because at Malin and Binky's house, she keeps trying to get her DW keeps trying to get Kate to imitate various animals. So then she just does a bunch of animal noises and imitations and Kate's just like, okay, she's gone crazy. And so Kate is afraid that when Kate grows up, DW will be the one who has never grown up. And so we get kind of an inverse of this where, and this is almost like weird in a similar way in terms of like we see an aged up Kate where it's kind of baby Kate's head on an adult's body because she doesn't have any, she still has like the weird baby hair and looks the same. She just has like Mm. a person's body. And what's more, what's even stranger is that DW in this imagination never stopped making animal noises and has to be, has to be (laughs) leashed. Like, Kate has her on a leash and is, like, getting her to heal. And she's, like, Kate is speaking, and she's just, like, oh, this is this is just my older sister. Heal, DW. And we don't, we don't see her, like, we see her pulling the leash, and we hear DW, but we don't see her getting pulled because it's just, like, ah, DW being, like, led around by her throat. This is really, like, like, out there in terms of images that I thought we were going to see in this episode. So Kate internalizes Maylin's um, suggestion to just imitate DW. 
and they do so at the breakfast table, and DW, uh, like, you know, does a bunch of actions, Kate mirrors them, and then DW says something to the effect of, like, I'm sorry, Kate, I failed you, I just wanted you to be smart, it's like, I'm your, like, you're my sister and I love you, and then Kate imitates DW's speech, she doesn't have, like, speech faculties yet, but she just, like, kind of moves her mouth and makes sounds, and then ends up saying, D-double-woo, so she says DW's name, which is not really her first word. We've heard Kate speak like singular words once or twice before, I'm fairly certain, but it's it's one of them. So Kate says D-double-woo, and DW is overjoyed that she said the name, and that's that's basically where the episode ends. DW is convinced that the Kate is smart because she said my name, and we get some sort of a capper with Pal where it's just like humans are a very confusing species, but they make a great ham bone. This is like, okay, well, that's that's what we're ending on, huh? All right. All right. That's a choice. These are, these are both, like, have some really out there imagery and concepts, uh, both of these episodes. So let's, let's just talk about how we feel about them. Uh, as we end off here, Lucas, get smart. What did you think? Get smart, Will. You might be surprised to hear. Not only did I, I really enjoy it, even though it's a brain episode. This might be my favorite episode I've watched thus far in the Flash era. Mm. I really, really, really liked Get Smart. I thought Brain wasn't being annoying. Um, I loved, like, this was one of those episodes where I thought it was going to go a certain way, and it turned out it was an ode to doing uh, research correctly and following the proper processes when doing research. You know, going to your library and getting out some micro microfish, some microfish, and <laughs> looking at old newspapers and how you know you have to do your research. You can't and and you know what? In this era of everybody using Chat GPT and all that crapola, <laughs> uh, I thought this was a breath of fresh air. Um, Arthur, you know, speaking out against the onslaught of the AI menace, um, big fan of Get Smart. It made me laugh. Um, like I said, I thought the parodies were well done. Um, I like the art style of when we're in Brain's imagination and we're kind of really doing the direct 2001 parody. Um, I liked that the smart board was like a highly intelligent robot instead of just a smart board. I thought that was funny. Um, it all worked for me, and I think I like the conclusion that it came to with Jacob Katz and Ellen Bogan's, uh, you know, descendant yell screaming at this computer <laughs> until it <laughs> broke. Uh, I thought that was great. I've seen a lot of screaming old men since I'm on Twin Peaks season two this week, mm. so there's a, there's a lot of that going around. No, I agree with you. I actually really like this too, and I didn't didn't really expect to like, uh, and that's not just like a uh, don't like the the flash season like I'm, I'm remaining as open to it as I can but when I read the kind of synopsis for what this is going to be about I was like eh. like sometimes when Arthur talks about like modern stuff it's not the best but I did like this and it actually did make me a little bit interested in smart board technology just to find out a little bit more about it but the idea was fun and I appreciated the focus on Mr. Ratburn I always think he's very funny and you're right brain was featured in a way that made the most of him without allowing him to be, like, annoying. I find that he doesn't even have to be an antagonist to be annoying. It's just, like, when he is, well, really when he's being himself, that, I, that I'm not crazy about. But this didn't really require a lot of personality from Brain. It just allowed him to uh, assert why um, 
analog research is important in this day and age when you can when you can just look up everything on your phone or your smart board. Otherwise, a lot of the touches in this were very good. I actually really liked learning about uh, the history of Elwood City once again. It's not anything that we haven't heard before, but it was presented in a way I thought was interesting. And yeah, just the way that we went across this, I appreciate all the different little facts that you can learn by watching this episode. The 2001 references, terrific. Really liked it. Yeah, I thought this was I thought this was a lot of fun. I I wonder if this would be my favorite so far. It's hard to say. And obviously we'll get to that at the end of the season with the season recap, but definitely very strong, really liked it. And thankfully, Baby Steps, which did end up being a dog and baby episode, is not one that I dislike. I don't know if I would go so far as to say I like it. I think it's a little bit um it was a bit harder to take notes for, honestly, because it was just kind of, it was a very loose concept for an episode in terms of like, this is what DW thinks, this is what Kate thinks, and then we just kind of do that for 12 minutes. We just kind of follow that um, that rope. But at the same time, um, it kept the dog and baby stuff out of the realm that I personally don't care for, which I already talked about. And by focusing on, like, the difference between, like, Kate's Kate's intelligence and DW's intelligence, I thought that was at least an interesting thread to follow. Um, there were some funny lines, obviously, as, as we pointed out. And um, it was just kind of a bit of an interesting thing. I do also like that we get to add to the lore that, like, one of Kate's first words is DW. And this end... I don't know if this is something that I would say that I want more of, but... It's hard to explore Kate as a character, and this is probably why they started doing these types of episodes in the first place, because it's just like, Kate is kind of, you know, background, like, background. She's like, she's like Maggie Simpson, but even Maggie kind of gets to do stuff. Um, Kate, in giving her this voice and this, like, intelligence that nobody else realizes, at least allows her to be something of a character. And it's in these episodes where it's just like, okay, we can at least kind of involve her and maybe even flesh out the relationships between her and the family. Like, it is, it was actually kind of nice for DW to say, like, I love you, because it acknowledges Kate as, like, a person in her life, as opposed to just, like, I don't know, a, 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 a drawing or, like, a nothing character, you know? So I wasn't, I'm not, I, I, I'm a little bit short of saying I like this episode. I think it's okay, but there are aspects of this that I appreciate that they tried, and um, if we do get more of these dog and baby episodes, I'm sure we will. Um, hopefully they can kind of follow the way that this, the path that this one is uh, kind of laying out. Well said, Will. And, you know, I'm not going to, I don't totally disagree with you. There are, two, there are also aspects of this episode I liked. Specifically, if you skip ahead to about, I want to say... 24 minutes into the episode where we get the stare off between Kate and DW. I thought that's a really good moment. Yeah. I like it when Arthur takes a second to tell a joke with no dialogue, just do it visually. Uh, so I always appreciate that. And then from there we go right into the bizarro dream sequences of, you know, Kate, giant Husbula Kate, and then <clears throat> weird DW on the leash. And that's just like so it's probably the strangest Arthur has gotten in the Flash era in terms of imagery, so that's worth seeing. However, 
everything else I was not a fan of. Mm. I too, once I realized that this was a dog and baby episode and that <laughs> in the flash era, the dogs and babies are here to stay. Uh, I just kind of checked out and the rest of the episode, I didn't really get much out of the misunderstandings, you know, where, Oh, you know, the, 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 the babies can't understand the humans and the humans can't understand the babies. And they're both trying to like appease each other, but they don't know it. Like, I'm over it. I'm done with it. Yeah. I, uh, I'm i just not really a fan. Not my cup of tea. You know, when it comes to the preschoolers, DW's crew, I think there's still interesting stories to tell. But right now with the dogs and the babies, I'm happy to move on. Well, yeah, and I almost think that the DW preschool episodes have almost appreciated because of the D-double dose that we had recently on the show. Like, that was actually pretty good. Like, I think we both kind of came away fairly positively from that. It's, but I remain, I remain to be convinced of uh, D and B episodes. So not to, not to continue harping on it. And as I said, I kind of, I'm, I'm a bit more mild than this one, which is trending positive. So uh, yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess we'll see. And I guess we'll see you later as we end up this episode of Elwood City Limits. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, of course, you may have heard this a week earlier if you are on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. Uh, Lucas, do you mind if I uh, surprise you a little bit? Because when this oh. comes on the free feed, we're going to be in March, which means at the end of March, we're going to be heading back to ECL Origins. And do you know Do you know what show we're finally going to be talking about? At the end of March, I, for our patrons, we didn't t- we didn't talk about this before, so no, this is a surprise. Let's hear it. Well, I think it's going to be a good one, uh, which is why which is why I kind of am leaving it to this, Lucas. It's another show that you and I have referenced time and again, and I think it's way past time that we do an ECL Origins episode about the Canadian classic sticking around. Oh my goodness. For your big fat information, this is our imagination. <laughs> That's exciting stuff, Will. Uh, longtime ECL listeners will remember, again, your favorite word, Will. And this is, again, some more Reddit stuff. I don't know why. We got to. I, I don't know what all this Reddit. It's because I deleted TikTok and it's the counterbalance. I don't know. Anyway, um, longtime ECL listeners will remember the lore that I used to call sticking around Little Arthur. Because when I was a kid, I thought they looked the same. And were not, was not able to discern the difference between the two shows. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought sticking around was like an Arthur spinoff. So we'll get into that and all kinds of other crazy details of our experiences with sticking around at the end of March. Absolutely. That's going to be the next ECL Origins episode. So patrons get excited. If you're not on the Patreon, you can join for however much money you want. Patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. Or if you're waiting for the next episode of ECL, no matter where you are, it's going to be us talking about Night of the Tibble and Reed and Flumbergast. Now, I don't know if that's as in read last name or like read a book. Maybe it's Red and Flumbergast. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. We're going we're gonna to figure it out because the Flash, the Flash season, we know it's capable of going to some weird places. And you know what? Might as well. Might as well get weird with it as we continue our ride here. So once again, thank you so much for joining us for Elwood City Limits. My name is Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini... Uh, Child development is fascinating. (laughs) We'll see you next time.